Salvatore the Fisherman by W. Somerset Maugham. Published in Cosmopolitan Magazine, July 1924. Read for Love Stories 4 by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in September 2021. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Salvatore the Fisherman by W. Somerset Maugham I wonder if it can be done. I knew Salvatore first when he was a boy of fifteen, with a pleasant, ugly face, a laughing mouth, and carefree eyes. He used to spend the morning lying about the beach with next to nothing on, and his brown body was as thin as a rail. He was full of grace. He was in and out of the sea all the time, swimming with the clumsy, effective stroke common to the fisher boys, and scrambling up the jagged rocks on his hard feet. For except on Sundays he never wore shoes. He would throw himself into the deep water with a cry of delight. His father was a fisherman who owned his own little vineyard, and Salvatore acted as a nursemaid to his two younger brothers. He shouted at them to come inshore when they ventured out too far, and made them dress when it was time to climb the hot vine-clad hill for the frugal midday meal. But boys in those southern parts grow apace, and in a little while he was madly in love with a pretty girl who lived on the Grand Marina. She had eyes like forest pools and held herself like a daughter of the Caesars, they were affianced, but they could not marry till Salvatore had done his military service, and when he left the island, which he never had left in his life before, to become a sailor in the navy of King Victor Emmanuel, he wept like a child. It was hard for one who had never been less free than the birds to be at the beck and call of others. It was harder still to live in a battleship with strangers instead of in a little white cottage among the vines, and when he was ashore to walk in noisy, friendless cities, with streets so crowded that he was frightened to cross them, when he had been used to silent paths in the mountains and the sea. I suppose it had never struck him that Ischia, which he looked at every evening, it was like a fairy island in the sunset, to see what the weather would be like next day, or Vesuvius, pearly in the dawn, had anything to do with him at all, but when he ceased to have them before his eyes, he realized in some dim fashion that they were as much part of him as his hands and his feet. He was dreadfully homesick. But it was hardest of all to be parted from the girl he loved with all his passionate young heart. He wrote to her in his childlike handwriting long, ill-spelt letters in which he told her how constantly he thought of her and how much he longed to be back. He was sent here and there, to Spezia, to Venice, to Bann, and finally to China. Here he fell ill of some mysterious ailment that kept him in hospital for months. He bore it with the mute and uncomprehending patience of a dog. When he learned that it was a form of rheumatism that made him unfit for further service, his heart exulted, for he could go home, and he did not bother. In fact, he scarcely listened when the doctors told him that he would never again be quite well. What did he care when he was going back to the little island he loved so well and the girl who was waiting for him? 
when he got into the rowing boat that met the steamer from naples and was rowed ashore he saw his father and mother standing on the jetty and his two brothers big boys now and he waved at them his eyes searched among the crowd that waited there for the girl he could not see her there was a great deal of kissing when he jumped up the steps and they all emotional creatures cried a little when they exchanged their greetings he asked where the girl was his mother told him that she did not know that they had not seen her for two or three weeks so in the evening when the moon was shining over the placid sea and the lights of naples twinkled in the distance he walked down to the grand marina to her house she was sitting on the doorstep with her mother he was a little shy because he had not seen her for so long he asked her if she had not received the letter that he had written to her to say that he was coming home yes they had received the letter and they had been told by another of the island boys that he was ill yes that was why he was back was it not a piece of luck oh but they had heard he would never be quite well again the doctors talked a lot of nonsense but he knew very well that when he was at home he would recover they were silent for a little and then the mother nudged the girl she did not try to soften the blow she told him straight out with the blunt directness of her race that she could not marry a man who would never be strong enough to work like a man they had made up their minds her mother and father and she and her father would never give consent when Salvatore went home, he found that they all knew. The girl's father had been to tell them what they had decided, but they had lacked the courage to tell him themselves. He wept on his mother's bosom. He was terribly unhappy, but he did not blame the girl. A fisherman's life is hard, and it needs strength and endurance. He knew very well that a girl could not afford to marry a man who might not be able to support her. His smile was very sad, and his eyes had the look of a dog that has been beaten. But he did not complain, and he never said a hard word of the girl he had loved so well. Then, a few months later, when he had settled down to the common round, working in his father's vineyard and fishing, his mother told him that there was a young woman in the village who was willing to marry him. Her name was Asunta she's as ugly as the devil he said she was older than he twenty-four or twenty-five and she had been engaged to a man who while doing his military service had been killed in africa she had a little money of her own and if salvatore married her she could buy him a boat of his own and they could take a vineyard that by happy chance happened at that moment to be without a tenant his mother told him that Asunta had seen him at the festa and had fallen in love with him. Salvatore smiled his sweet smile and said he would think about it. On the following Sunday, dressed in the stiff black clothes in which he looked so much less well than in the ragged shirt and trousers of every day, he went up to high mass at the parish church and placed himself so that he could have a good look at the young woman. When he came down again, he told his mother that he was willing. Well, they were married, and they settled down in a tiny whitewashed house in the middle of a handsome vineyard. 
salvator was now a great big husky fellow tall and broad but still with that ingenuous smile and those trusting kindly eyes he had as a boy he had the most beautiful manners i have ever seen in my life asanta was a grim-visaged female with decided features and she looked old for her years but she had a good heart and she was no fool i used to be amused by the little smile of devotion that she gave her husband when he was being very masculine and masterful she never ceased to be touched by his gentle sweetness but she could not bear the girl who had thrown him over and notwithstanding salvator's smiling expostulations she had nothing but harsh words for her presently children were born to them it was a hard enough life all through the fishing season towards evening he set out in his boat with one of his brothers for the fishing grounds it was a long pull of six or seven miles and he spent the night catching the profitable cuttlefish then there was the long row back again in order to sell the catch in time for it to go on the early boat to naples at other times he was working in his vineyard till the heat drove him to rest and then again when it was a trifle cooler till dusk often his rheumatism prevented him from doing anything at all and then he would lie about the beach smoking cigarettes with a pleasant word for every one notwithstanding the pain that racked his limbs the foreigners who came down to bathe and saw him there said that these italian fishermen were lazy devils sometimes he used to bring his children down to give them a bath they were both boys and at this time the elder was three and the younger less than two they sprawled about at the water's edge stark naked and salvator standing on a rock would dip them in the water the elder one bore it with stoicism but the baby screamed lustily salvator had enormous hands like legs of mutton coarse and hard from constant toil but when he bathed his children holding them so tenderly drying them with delicate care upon my word they were like flowers he would seat the naked baby on the palm of his hand and hold him up laughing a little at his smallness and his laugh was like the laughter of an angel his eyes then were as candid as his child's i started by saying that i wondered if i could do it and now i must tell you what it is that i have tried to do i wanted to see whether i could hold your attention for a few pages while i drew for you the portrait of a man just an ordinary fisherman who possessed nothing in the world except a quality which is the rarest the most precious and the loveliest that any one can have heaven only knows why he should so strangely and unexpectedly have possessed it all i know is that it shone in him with a radiance that if it had not been unconscious and so humble would have been to the common run of men hardly bearable and in case you have not guessed what the quality is i will tell you goodness just goodness end of salvator the fisherman by w somerset mom